Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. When you screw up, though, you want to turn that around and look very deeply at your trailing edge, your shadow. Okay, what happened here? And in peer relationships, it should be a mix. So you're not presenting some false self-image. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from Clear and Open. Excuses are not all bad news. As we explored last week, the areas in which we make excuses are likely the areas where we don't want to look. If we use that to our advantage, tracking what we make excuses around can be one of the most powerful tools we can use to reclaim our power. That's what this is all about. And that's why this episode was originally recorded as part of the Claiming Self-Authority course available at courses.clearandopen.com. Check that out for more info. So as you know, I do weekly member webcasts. I've got a slew of online courses, probably over a dozen now. And I work one-on-one with usually leaders of businesses. And I just want to say something about, well, something about me, something about Clear and Open. And that is what I specialize in that's often not so well understood is helping to create change from the inside out. And most of the time people are looking to create changes on the outside of them more money, more profit, better relationships, whatever that is, more stuff, whatever you want to buy. And the challenge is, is that almost always what that requires is some is some shift in you. And that's where people tend to avoid looking at themselves. They want the outside to change without changing the inside. And to me, in my experience, it seems that our frustrations or difficulties or challenges on the outside are actually in order to show us where we need to grow on the inside. And that's what Clear and Open is entirely based on. What is whatever you're looking at that is so undesirable? How is it a mirror? That's what I help people do because it seems to me that life is always holding a mirror up for us and it's just a matter of whether we're interested in looking in it. So I help people see the mirror that life is already holding up to them. And um, excuses has been the theme of this series is a really good example of that. If you can learn to track your excuses, you can reclaim a whole lot of power. So I hope you take it seriously. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate that. Let's start the show. Excuses as like a boots on the ground, I don't know, embodied way moment to moment in reality, looking for tracking your own excuses, I think is the single most powerful way to operationalize the reclamation and embodiment of your own power. This means that if you're living virtuously, every excuse is a stone and you leave none unturned. None. Zero. And I don't usually talk hundred zero like this. But the unconscious is so good at hiding stuff that when you catch yourself in an excuse or you catch someone who works for you in an excuse, do not 
freaking pick battles. You may not get an opportunity to get where that leads for months or years. You don't have time. That excuse may lead you to one acre of those missing 99, and you may not get another acre opportunity like that for a year or two. You don't have time. You must, if you care about this, if you care about your own self-authority, your own growth, your own excellence, you can miss no excuses. Why would you? Because everyone is gold. Everyone is a path to discover a contraction in your being where you're living less than the full you. The only reason you would is because you're afraid of feeling bad about yourself. In which case, I would say, get a therapist who will help you turn toward the shadow in yourself and love it because nobody's perfect. And then you'll get over a hump eventually where you don't have a deluded need to feel good about yourself all the time. And you'll enjoy looking at your excuses. You might feel a little embarrassment, but you'll know that the gold on the other side of that is worth it. Have I talked about self-esteem versus how we're trained about self-esteem in this course? I don't think I have. Let me say a bit about that. It's a sort of rabbit hole right here. I mean, we're taught this in like eighth grade health. That's the one I learned, eighth grade health in this country. Self-esteem, we're taught is the gap between who you are and who you want to be. Something like that. It has to do with your self-image. It's feeling good about yourself. That's self-esteem feeling good about yourself? Do you have a positive self-esteem? Do you have a positive self-image? Do you have a positive regard for yourself? Self-esteem, confidence, that kind of thing. This is one of the seeds for the deluded pursuit of happiness because we're taught that a well-adjusted human being feels good about who they are, you know, the vast majority of the time. Well, what about when you screw up? Are you supposed to feel good about yourself then? Common sense would tell you no. You're supposed to feel remorse, right? You're supposed to feel bad about what you did. Not that you're bad, but you're supposed to feel regretful, remorseful about the action that was a mistake. But if you've got programmed into you a bunch of shame first, and then on top of that, the deluded need to feel good about yourself as much as possible, then you're not going to be curious to get under your excuses, right? Why would you? Looking into what's underneath your excuses is uncomfortable, can trigger shame, will reveal negative things about you that you possibly didn't know. It will erode your self-image as whatever, a good person or a responsible person or whatever. You're looking at a chink in your armor, in your own self-interest. But you see, if you have this idea that, that happiness is feeling good about yourself the vast majority of the time, then you won't do it. So I've deconstructed self-esteem. So if fulfillment is not governed by self-esteem, what is it fulfilled by? Not feeling good about yourself, but what? Anybody have an idea? For 25 points, feeling real as yourself. Not feeling good about yourself, which I hope you can hear is an egoic mind kind of thing. Oh, I think X, Y, and Z about myself. That feels good, right? 
You all know people like that. They have a complete delusion about who they are, and they're really enjoying it, aren't they? They're really enjoying their idea of being responsible or the you know, the hardest working person in the business or the most popular person in blah, 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 or really well liked by so-and-so. And you know it's not true. And they're really enjoying it and feeling good about themselves, checking off those self-esteem boxes, right? And they're wrong. It's not true. But it makes them feel great and has predictable negative sequelae, doesn't it? So if it's about feeling real as yourself, you see real as yourself includes everything. Your greatest strengths, your deepest weaknesses, your biggest flaws, your greatest delusions. All of that's you. And when you discover an aspect of yourself and you're relating it to it, to it authentically, have you ever had a moment where you're feeling really deep pain, crying, weeping even, something's really painful, and you have somewhere in the middle of it, you just feel like a goodness? There's a goodness to it because it's you, it's real. And even though it feels bad, there's another component to it that's like, this is true. Maybe not everybody has experienced that, but I see some nods. That's what I'm talking about. That's feeling real as yourself. And that's a state of being. And, you know, I don't like to talk about states in terms of nouns. That's a place you can live in very, very, very often, increasingly often, but only if you're willing to look at all of your shit, all of it, because that realness, the realness in you is curious about every aspect of you. It wants to know every square inch of all 100 acres. And it experiences goodness when it discovers it. It doesn't make a distinction between good and bad. It eats all food. It doesn't not eat wheat or dairy or it doesn't distinguish. It's all food. Yeah, it's all good. Why does it include everything like that so non-conditionally? Because it's your soul, which is a holonic fragment of the divine. It's your piece of the divine which is not really a separate piece, but it's like an estuary off a river. It's your estuary off a river. So it's connected to that. So it has that incredibly powerful inclusionary dynamic. It doesn't distinguish between good and bad. It's all real. We're the ones who go, oh, these parts of me are good. I've got to focus on those. These other parts of me are bad. I can't let anyone see that because, you know, like no one has the same thing like I do. That's the governing dynamic, you guys. If you want to grow fast, you, you do what's called leading with your trailing edge. You lead with as often as possible and however is appropriate. It's not appropriate all the time. But you lead with your weaknesses. You're present with them. I'm not saying, you know, if it's like not in your job most of the time, you know, you lead with your strengths where it's appropriate. But when the weaknesses come up uh, in peer relationships, certainly, as a boss, you have to lead more with your uh, leading edge. But here's a, a good example. So I lead with my leading edge when I teach. You guys are seeing the best version of me. Like, really, I'm not like this all the time. I strive to be, but this is the best version of me. But occasionally, I do talk about my weaknesses, don't I? 
but I do it in a way where I don't collapse the space. I stay in this teacher role, but I do it in a way I try to always make it so that it's instructive and useful for you because I'm in a service position here. So I'm staying true to the role. But if I never did that, that creates problems. If I never talked about weaknesses, you might start to think I'm arrogant. You might think that anyway. (laughs) You might think that I'm presenting some kind of perfectionistic ideal that you would try to uh, aspire to, uh, which would not be good for you. You may put me on a pedestal and then knock me off the first chance that you get and take off. So it's important if you're in a leadership position to occasionally share your weaknesses because that gives people permission to share their own. But it's a tricky line. And the only way I know to find the center of that is you're going to make mistakes with it. You're just going to. Same with children, raising children. Because if, like my parents, never admitted a single weakness, I mean, I don't know if I'm my entire life, much less my childhood. And that's a really damaging thing to do to a kid. My father, the mythos in my family was that my father knew everything. He was really good at trivial, trivial pursuit. Remember that 80s game? Really good. One every time. It's like, how do you do that? How do you know that? Oh, dad knows everything. Dad knows everything. Dad knows everything. So when I you know, was like 14, 15, 16, and I started to know stuff that he didn't know, I started to think for myself, we collided. Because that collided with the Shapiro family trance of dad knows everything. And it was a serious source of consternation for me. Because there was never that moment where you could go, yeah, you know, that thing we used to say about dad knows everything. Well, now you're discovering it's not true. You know, you're getting an education. You're going to go to college. You're a smart kid. One day, probably really soon, you're going to be far smarter than I am. How freaking hard is that? How hard is that? Never happened. So it created this angst in me of having to prove that I knew something. Now, you could say that's, like I always like to joke, my parents were my first students because without that, I might never become the teacher that I am. So I had to become very articulate because I was always trying to get through to them. So, you know, in the meadow, it was fine. The point I'm trying to make, I'm not sure if I can remember the point I was trying to make. Does anybody remember the point? Sometimes I go down those trails and I forget where I was. That'll come back to me. You were talking about leading, uh, leading with your trailing edge. Ah. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. You just totally rescued me. See, that's my trailing edge. I'm forgetful. It's a symptom of too much meditation. Yeah. So you lead with your trailing edge. You lead with your leading edge as appropriate, uh, as an authority, if you're in your job, you ought to be bringing your best to it. When you screw up, though, you want to turn that around and look very deeply at your trailing edge, your shadow. Okay, what happened here? And in peer relationships, it should be a mix. So you're not presenting some false self-image to your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever. So that's something you want to pay attention to. Otherwise, the ego will get too comfortable and you'll not look at what's actually going on. And remember, this is not about owning what a mess you are. Well, it can be, but it's not about uh, you know, collapsing into a heap and saying, I'm not worthy. It's just about bringing the trailing edge with you. And the metaphor I like to use sometimes is um, you've already got a weight tied to your ankle, ball and chain. That's your shadow. It holds you back. It causes you suffering. You can drag it or you can pick it up. 
Which is going to be better for you? You pick it up, obviously. That's leading with your trailing edge. You take responsibility for it. You take responsibility for it. That's how you learn. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.